morning and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. After 300 shows, I still love the soundtrack. Today we're going to be talking with Mike Senka, who is the founder and CEO of Movela, a Charleston, South Carolina-based company that focuses on communications built inside of project management. I'll let Mike tell you about it as we go through the conversation. Mike, how are you? Good morning, John. Thanks very much. Doing well. How are you? How's everything out on the left coast? I am on top of the world. I'm about to have a little wedding, and so things are things are just grooving along fine here. Why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself? Well, first of all, congratulations on the wedding. That's exciting. I'm I'm very excited for you and your daughter. That's that's the important stuff in life at the end of the day, and um, I hope you guys have a great weekend with that. Great. Um, so yeah, yeah. So who yeah. are you? And what do you do? Sure. As you said, I'm Mike Sank. I'm the I'm the CEO and founder of Movela, and we focus on work process automation, and that's work management, project management. But our big focus is really the concept of bringing automation to work process today to augment kind of the human experience. And so in the same way, we think about automated driving helping us, emergency brakes, lane alert, all the things that make the driving experience better all the way. We're trying to do the same thing for the work experience for employees so they have a more pleasant, safe, and efficient journey towards getting their work done. Cool. Um, so, so how did you end up doing this? Tell me a funny story about your career. I can't imagine that what you did was, you know, when you were five years old and flexing around in the sandbox, you said, wow, what I want to do is move to Charleston, first of all, and um, start a company that focuses on something that 30-year-olds don't understand, let alone five-year-olds. How did you get, how did you get from being a normal person to this? Yeah, well, I'm definitely not a normal person. I'm definitely a bit of a dork or a geek. So I think I've, <laughs> I found my way in this. My, my degree was in engineering. I didn't want to go into, into engineering, um, but loved that process of understanding um, kind of the physical universe and people and sort of the underlying way that the world works and machines and people work. And I think for me – you know, getting to where we are today was really just trying to understand how how sort of math and physics and sociology interact in the human condition. You know, that the same sort of first order mathematical principles and process get applied to a lot of things, and humans have applied that to a lot of things as we've done and evolved as a species. And and you know, one of the really big painful problems that seemed to exist was this idea of, especially in the large enterprise, was this sense of discontent about collaboration, right? When we have focused activities in small groups, even from a nascent setting all the way to mature setting, it feels good. But when we started working with larger groups of people over longer periods of time, they're just in general, I don't think you'll find many human beings go, oh, my God, it's amazing. We're totally dialed in, and everything works really efficiently. It's, it's not that way. It's marked by a lot of confusion and disappointment and a sense of failed accountability, even though there isn't. People want to be accountable. And so that was sort of, for me, I love puzzles. 
you know, my kids will always give me gifts over the holidays of puzzles and brain teasers, and that was just a really fascinating problem for me. So maybe not super funny, but um, that's what led me to it was this is a really fascinating puzzle and problem to solve that sort of seems to matter. Um, and so that sort of drove us towards how can we help facilitate that process for people? How can we help people work more effectively together and maybe think about it differently than is being thought about today? So, so before we dig a little deeper into that, you're, you, you operate out of Charleston, South Carolina, which I think even though I've, I've been in and out of Charleston for many, many years now, I think it still surprises people to think of Charleston um, as a place where there's a tech center. How's Charleston doing these days? It's doing really well. I mean, Charleston's such a wonderful. I'm a, I'm a Chicago native originally, and I still have a lot of family up in Chicago. And uh, unfortunately, I'm a Bears fan. But um, the weather down here, and the people, and the food, and the technology are all really wonderful. And and you know, there are a lot of big industry that, that that have come in. It's changed a lot in the 20 gosh almost 28 years I've been down here uh, with Boeing coming into town and Volvo. Um, and it's, it's become and is mentioned on a lot of the up and uh, tech magazines as one of the top 10 tech incubation places and, and, and growth tech industry uh, in the country. So it's, it's certainly an exciting place to be. And as long as the sea levels don't rise too much with global warming, um, uh, we might need snorkels in the next 40 or 50 years, but otherwise it's, it's, it's wonderful down here. Thanks for yeah, having it'll me. Just be, it'll just be the Venice of the South. Um, That's right. <laughs> uh, so, so, so let's get specific. You talked in some generalities. What exactly does Google do? Yeah, so when we talk about work process automation, um, you know, I, I think maybe the simple thing to do is is, is to figure out and maybe back up a little bit. And, and when we think about kind of work management, people manage their work in a lot of different ways. Some people do it on a piece of paper with a pencil um, because they've got their own little personal checklist. Some people will use a wide variety of technologies for project management. Um, and some people are building $300 million factories with hundreds and hundreds of people. So our focus is more towards large collaborative enterprise work management, um, less so towards the, hey, I've got a personal task list. Because managing those work efforts, those projects, connecting those people, automating the communication, and automating the accuracy of the work plan so everybody has a clear picture of where things stand becomes a much bigger problem with a large group of people. You know, when you're planning a personal event or you're planning something that you have to do by yourself, you can manage that task list and those dependencies inside of your head. But when you're managing a larger scale project, a lot of third party entities, contingent workforce, vendors, it spans months or even potentially years, it is simply not possible for a human being to do the discrete math and manage that work and that project. And so, so what we, you know, you could say, hey, it looks like a traditional project or a work management platform, but we have inside of this a discrete math engine that really forces referential integrity to ensure that when you're looking at that plan, you know it's accurate. And 
I know that sounds simple, John, but that's really a huge problem today in the marketplace. And that was one of the big things we saw. And that sort of leads more towards this concept of digital transformation, and which is a big, broad concept. And the future of work is a big, broad concept. Um, and so people, it's sort of like blah, blah, blah. It's sort of like saying analytics 10 or 15 years ago. Everyone, or AI, right? Everyone has to say those words because you got to say those words because that's what everyone's saying and you'll sound stupid if you don't know it. Um, but the reality is people are starting with bad plans in the beginning. People aren't ready for the digital transformation because they're simply not organizing their work in the first place, certainly not at an enterprise level. Personal digital transformation around work management doesn't matter because the good Lord's given us a fairly decent brain and we can manage and process all that stuff inside of our head. Unfortunately, we're not telepathic and uh, we can't communicate these things instantly over vast distances between people and that's where the breakdown occurs. The minute we start collaborating with other people in a process, we no longer have that source of truth where we can all share and go, yep, I know where we are, I know what needs to be done, I know we're going to be late, I know why we're going to be late. That just doesn't exist today. And when we think about the future of work and digital transformation, it's hard to believe that we're ever going to get there if we don't start at the beginning and figure out how to get good work plans. And we sort of say smart work starts with a smart plan, but this idea of defining the work the way a computer would. So when you think about automation and you think about process automation, programs have to be programmed and they have to be debugged and they have to be compiled and they have to work and execute in a certain order. But that's not how we plan work, right? That's not how people do a big spreadsheet or a Microsoft project plan. Then they ship it out to everybody and no one really looks at it because, my God, that's horribly boring to do. Just tell me what I have to do no one goes through to understand, wow, is this actually accurate? Do we know what this means? Is the, are the due dates there? Are these, is, has this been built in a reasonable way? And the answer is almost always no, 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 no. And then we get super surprised when we find out a project's due on June 1st, and come May we go, oh, my God, we're going to be three months late. Well, couldn't we have known that before? Yeah, just didn't care to have a process in place to plan and manage that work. So, um our focus, I know that's sort of a mouthful, but, but at the end, our platform, we talk about this work management automation, you could say, oh, it's a project management platform. But the framework that we have sort of forces it to be accurate, to say, hey, don't put a garbage plan in. Make sure, and, we're gonna, and the platform sort of lets you know, hey, this is a garbage plan. You know, you don't have, like, if, if you really have 426 tasks, there probably aren't 32 independent work streams. These things can't go backwards. You can't say it's going to be done in June when really mathematically this isn't going to be done until October, right? We force you to be realistic about those questions. Now, now the big question, John, is do people really care? Do they want accuracy? You know, and, and I've and I got to be honest with you, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, we see a lot of forward-thinking businesses saying yes. This is important to us. We want accurate answers. But <laughs> to be honest, we've also seen some very, very big companies stick their heads in the sand on this, which is amazing to me. I'd love your opinion on why you think that might occur. So so a couple of things. Um, the first one is I just want to tease out uh, a term that you used. You said referential integrity, and that, that sort of went over my head, and I had to think about it while you were talking. What you mean yep. by referential integrity, I think, is 
before you start, you need to know that the plan is actually accomplishable the way you thought of it. And referential integrity is a way of testing to see if you can actually do what you think you're going to do. Uh, right? Yes, that's right. That's right. And, it, and you know, sort of a, a crude but simple example would be if you had a plan for building a house that you're not saying, okay, first we put the roof on and then we dig the foundation. And as silly and as stupid as that sounds, we see project plans when we do our forensics process all the time where examples that ridiculous exist. And they go, well, well we know that, but we were going to fix that, or I know that. And the project manager says that, and I said, well, yeah, but the 100 people looking at this plan don't know that, and they don't even know what that means. So, yes, you're right. Referential integrity is that the math adds up, that it's a mathematically accurate plan, and you'd want that. Um, if so, you so were responsible for the delivery and you had to tell your board or your boss, hey, we spent $2 million on this. I know that to get the value of this, it was supposed to be up on July 1 and we're on target. Or, hey, it's January. We're not going to get it done until September. Better for you to know that now. Better for you to know that early. So, so part of what you're saying is that successful projects depend on there being a plan that everybody believes is real, right? Because if the core plan isn't real and the project team is running around claiming that they're going to be able to do all this stuff that nobody knows they can, everybody knows they can't do, um, you get sort of a, a, um, uh, a reaffirmation of people's tendency to ignore this stuff in the first place. And so getting the plan right is central to your value proposition. And I, I don't think I've ever seen that in any um, uh, project management kind of tool. The, the very idea that you would have a plan that's right is sort of foreign. To yeah, it is. It is funny. I will tell you that the project managers are smart people who do really hard work. They're put in really difficult situations. Um, um, they're afraid to sort of surface the fact that maybe they've been given unrealistic goals and that there are, there's a lack of capacity. You know, we have the privilege of working with, you know, cultures all over the world with our technology, and we see different internal cultures about conflict avoidance and consensus building. But I would say universally, globally, in general, project managers don't like to deliver bad news to the project sponsors that they've not been given enough money, there aren't enough resources, this is unrealistic. They're just told to fix it and make it happen, and they just sort of hope that it will work. It's rare that those things in this day and age are resourced appropriately. And so part of the benefit that we've heard that we've provided is, hey, this is a mechanism for me to deliver some honesty in an objective way to the organization. So I don't feel like I'm saying, we can't, or there isn't enough. It's just hey, this is the mathematical truth. This is what we said we want to do, and these are the facts. Now, let's observe these facts and react to them as opposed to, you know, having to deliver generalized anxiety that we think it's not workable or not viable. So um, that's you know, one of the hopes that we can do for these folks, too, is to, to, to automate a lot of the painful process for them, but also to provide a vehicle of truth to the organization so they can prioritize appropriately and, and that the contributors don't get kicked in the head for not delivering something that just isn't deliverable in some cases or 
you know, recognizing, hey, we've got to reallocate resources. Because that's a big, we're noticing that that's a big problem in sort of the employee wellness world is people, because people can't say no, they're, they're being asked to do more and more. And because nobody's doing the math across the portfolio of work, they don't understand in just some cases how unreasonable those expectations are. So, and I don't, once again, I don't, I don't think senior leadership is being nefarious in their intent on this. I think it's simply, hey, they don't know either, so they're going to push the team and say, let's do more. Does that make sense? I, I, yeah, I think that's right. I, but there's there's another dynamic here, which is, which is often great program managers love being heroes, right? And and right. a a great program manager, a great project manager who is always able to pull it out of the fire at the last minute before everything disintegrates um, is, is more likely to get visibility with the boss and attention. And so, so it seems to me that if you, if you promise um, organized project management, you take away the opportunity to be a hero. Uh, and, and maybe that's some of what you're seeing in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's a really, really interesting point. I mean, at the end of the day, I guess the question is, do people want to operate in an opaque or transparent environment? Certainly the people that we're engaging with have more of a tendency to say, I want the no surprise rule. Um, I want to understand, I understand there are going to be challenges and problems. I'd rather know about those sooner rather than later because I don't want the fire drill. And maybe, you know, maybe there's sort of a natural selection process, John, for people who gravitate towards what we're doing to say, hey, I'd kind of rather have a clearer picture of the universe up front. And like you said, those people who want to, you know, throw a cape on and and rend something out of the void are would be less prone towards it. So so there's there's everywhere I look I hear people talking about the future of work and, and not very much of it makes sense to me. It mostly seems like it's uh, a question about furniture and where people are gonna sit. Uh, right. How does what how does what you're talking about at Moogla relate to the future of work? Yeah, so there's some interesting studies that are going to be coming out soon by some of the larger analysts and consulting firms around sort of the future work and, and the readiness of the digital transformation. And the truth is that organizations and the global 2000 just aren't really ready for it um, because it's such an enormous task. These organizations are digitally transforming how they work with their customers, but the digital transformation inside of their four virtual or extended walls aren't moving forward because they're authors of the chaos of their own making. And because of the disconnected, unstructured work that they manage inside of their four walls, it becomes more and more difficult for them to begin to automate and realize those efficiencies in the future of work. And, and once again, you know, future of work, as you said, John, is a really, really broad umbrella. The area that we're focusing on around the future of work is to say, hey, there's a digital transformation of work that's going to occur, and that digital transformation, just the way the assembly line transformed the way things were manufactured, it introduced process, repeatable, understandable, measurable process into an existing system for efficiency and product quality and measurement. And that same process for how we do work, how we communicate, how we measure those outputs and the performance of that is part of the digital transformation that 
and future work that we're interested in. And as we looked at this, we said, hey, it's going to be really, really important for us to step back and understand how are people going to be able to engage on this. And, and for us, it is the very first thing that you need to do is understand how you are recording the work to be done. Start at the beginning. Don't, it's too overwhelming to try to think about the future of work in a fully autonomous communication and structured process. Start with understanding, hey, we're tracking, and, and you know, I use the term discrete math and graph theory, but it's really just structuring this work effort so you understand the people, the responsibilities, the durations, and the relationships or dependencies. And analyzing that discrete math, analyzing probabilities, understanding that, and then understanding the efficiency and how you can improve that and how that gets communicated. So, you know, like I said, that that's catchphrase of smart work starts with a smart plan. For the future of work that we think is essential, it has to begin with the digitization of that work plan in a way that's communicated to everybody where all the stakeholders go, yep, I agree with that. I agree with those relationships. I can see those relationships. And as that work plan gets updated, I'm informed with the near or real time um, that baseline has to occur before we begin to start to intersect and begin to start to plug in other components in the human work mechanism, at least so, for the so, section of the future of work we're interested in. So you're talking about a new way of operating a business. You're talking about a fundamentally different way of operating a business. Who's ready to do this, and, and how do you tell? You have to build your business on the people who are ready to go here rather than the people you hope will catch up down the road sometime. So, so who's ready, and how do you tell? Right. Great, great point. So, <clears throat> we're seeing, so we're seeing customers actually across the spectrum, and they're approaching it differently, right? So for SMB, for small and medium-sized businesses, um, they are you know, up to a couple of hundred employees, they're willing to say, hey, this is how we want to run our business now. We have distributed workforce. We have multiple sites, multiple locations, working with vendors and contingent workforce. We can no longer deal with the chaos of email and Slack and unstructured communication because we're getting punished by our customers. We're losing money, and it's creating risk for us. So it's very easy for them to make a top-down decision and say, hey, guys, we have to do this. We have to make this change. This is, we all agree this is no longer viable. We're all in the same meeting. For larger organizations, for one customer in particular is a, a very large in the, um, uh, in the gaming industry, um, they're looking to automate and provide capability for work and project management, the self-driving project manager, so to speak, or project manager in a box initiative, where they're going to provide that capability throughout the organization. It's less easy for a large organization to force, certainly not in consensus building cultures, um, like North America and Europe, you can't sort of jam software down people's throats. You have to say, look, we're going to provide this capability to you, and you have to make the decision as to whether or not this is important to you and your team. And the, the uptake rates vary depending on the criticality of the project. For people who are told this absolutely has to be done on time, you have no choice, or there's huge risk, there's a greater tendency to begin to adopt this process because, once again, they sort of understand, is the train going to come in on time? Is the plane going to land on time? When it's more ad hoc work or it's open process, I think the unstructured work processes are going to continue for a while. 
because they're easier, they're unstructured, there's no pressing deadline, it doesn't matter as much. So, um, you know, once again, the engagement model for small businesses, it's easier to say, hey, we all need to do this together because this is important for our business. For larger organizations, it is about providing capabilities and having those capabilities get adopted in the organization uh, as it rolls forward. So, so you are, of all the people that I know, you are the most interesting to watch because you follow your curiosity and you follow it really, really deeply. And so you've got this, you, you've, you've discovered this new island and you're starting to map it out. That's, that's exciting. Where are you going next? What are the questions that have your attention and what are you focused on? So, you know, for us, it is about autonomous collection of data in a way that people have the opportunity to opt in or opt out of, and the organization does. So we've got, there are some key areas where this work process automation matter more right now and other places less. So uh, in the construction industry, we've got a very big partnership with Komatsu um, Limited, uh, the second largest global manufacturer of heavy equipment machinery. And they're looking to build the autonomous construction site of the future. And on our platform has um, mobile and remote autonomous data collection uh, with telematics and Bluetooth low energy, uh, geofencing, but the ability to really automatically collect that data to inform execution and critical path because collecting data is a really painful thing. So we'll focus a lot on that and working with uh, Komatsu's got partnerships with some other really very impressive advanced technologies around the future of work and construction. So we're really excited to be a part of that team. Uh, in addition, partner and customer process automation is an area where there's a lot of pain that are important to businesses. And because when you think about partner and customer process automation, the, the, the onboarding and management of those customers you know, sometimes that's forgotten. After the, after the CRMs, after the deal's been closed, um, onboarding those partners and communicating with those partners and understanding that, hey, that's not just an us thing. That's an us and a them and some third-party consultants and vendors and process. There's a lot of collaboration, execution, and that the longer that gets delayed, the more revenue you're losing as a business. But this is, it is important to analyze and improve that process and shorten that time frame because there's a real time to value. And we see there's a lot of pain out there in the market right now in this partner landscape and in the customer landscape of saying, hey, we know how to find the customers. We know how to manage it. But, you know, there's still a struggle with that time to go live. From contract to go live, whether it's a partner or a customer, so much of that is managed via unstructured communication. The accountability and responsibility in that ecosystem is so poorly managed. So um, we're leaning heavily into those areas because we know that it matters to businesses and there's a lot of pain there. You know, sometime in the next couple of months, I'd like to, I'd like to follow up on that and do an entire conversation about how do you build an ecosystem and um, – what do you need to do to onboard people inside of the ecosystem? Seems like you've dug deep into that question, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's it's it is a it's it's a fascinating and we're, and and John, we're getting as the economy expands, we're not getting you know, 
all, I will leave any political sort of nationalism commentary out of it right now. But for the rest, for these businesses, we are becoming more global. Um, there is more intersection between more disparate entities, and that's becoming more and more important. But we're doing that into the context of requiring greater security, right? So there are some competing forces in this in this world of, hey, we now have to work with more people and different entities and different organizations. We're a gig economy. There are third-party vendors. But, my God, we have to be hyper-secure and hyper-vigilant. You know, at its very core, those are competing issues. And we've got to solve those problems if we're going to be efficient and work together effectively. Otherwise, we're just, in, we're just adding entropy uh, and, and pain into that equation. So um, it'll be an interesting problem to see unfolding and solved in the coming decade. Well, let's set up that conversation. Listen, we, we, we're, we've run through the time. Would you take a moment and reintroduce yourself and tell people how to get hold of you? Yeah. Uh, I'm Mike Sanka, the CEO and founder of Ubla. We're a work process and management automation platform, and we're in lovely Charleston, South Carolina. You can come learn more about us at www.movala.com, and that's spelled M as in Mary, O-O-V as in Victor, I-L-A. Thanks, Mike. What a great conversation. And you have been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. We've been talking with Mike Senka. If you want to look him up, he carries around a silent P, so that's P-S-E-N-K-A, Mike Senka. He is the CEO and founder of Movala. Thanks so much for doing this, Mike, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will see you here next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks, John. Thanks, everyone. Mm. Oh. <laughs>